And welcome back to another exciting installment of Pods of Thunder. My name is Eric. He's Jeremy. Hello. And uh, Jeremy, I know for a fact that you are one that loves to call into customer service. Oh, absolutely. They're just friendly people by nature. Friendly, friendly people. Gets the job done quickly and efficiently. On hold rarely ever. Uh, if, if Never. If ever. Uh, Ten seconds? I always have the feeling that my best interest is is the customer service rep's best right, interest. Right, right, right. Um, and then, you know, that duration of the actual phone call. Always under three, four minutes yeah. with some quick, efficient answers. And, and Well, what I like is you get a human being on the line instantly. instantly. There's, no, there's no press seven if... Your last name begins with C or D. You know, <laughs> right. There's not there's yeah. not five different buttons you have to press mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. five minutes before you actually talk to a human. That's what I like about customer service. So I had the wonderful um, uh, customer service call with the probably the highest rated company <laughs> in all of all of customer all service. Of Xfinity. Uh, see, cable and internet are mm -hmm. probably it's well, maybe it's just because they're probably the people that I'm forced to interact with most, but they're like always what I think of specifically when I go, man, customer service sucks. It's always cable internet specific. So, back in like the mid 2000s, I had read um, something saying that uh, as far as like the worst customer service goes rating wise, I think uh, five out of the top 10 were. Cable, cable internet service. Providers. I believe. And you know why? Because they have that weird setup where they basically have monopolies yeah. in certain areas. Right. And look what happens. Customer service goes to absolute shit. Yep. Capitalism works. Competition. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I had to do the uh, call into customer service. I only have internet. I haven't had cable in well over half a decade if not longer oh another great uh outcome of the monopoly is the the i wonder how much of a markup do they get on cable it's got to be it's got to be yeah just through I mean, the roof when i was in virginia i had cable internet and my, the, my specials that i get for like a year <laughs> was like 180 dollars or something oh. and then then it would go back up to 200 the right. normal price for cable and internet yeah such savings yeah oh um, no, so I had just moved in the fall. Um, I have the same service provider that I did at my previous address, and I had my year run out of my special that they were offering. Sure. So I was paying 50 bucks a month for internet, and then when I made the move, that was a year after I'd lived at my previous address, and it went up to 70 bucks. And I'm like, well, that sucks, but I'm just going to deal with it. And right. Then, um, you know, starting a new job and then uh, doing holidays and everything. I finally got around this this weekend to taking care to see if I can get back down to the fifty bucks. That eh, should be a quick phone call. It should be a pretty quick yes or no answer. I'm assuming kind of thing, and then do the research to see if I can get a different provider to for less money. That seems to be the trick. Sure. So I get on the phone and <laughs> and it, my my question's pretty straightforward i want to pay less money than i'm paying right now for the service i'm getting sure right because i was previously spending less sure so i have to imagine that's at least in the realm of possibility sure okay so the 
And she responds quickly by saying, you know, that that that, spe- that special has run out. Okay, fair enough. And she's like, well, I can see if there's other package, other specials out there to right to meet your needs. You know, and your need being lowering the cost. Lowering the cost is number one on the priority list. Maybe the only thing on the priority right. list. Right. Definitely the purpose for the call. The purpose for the call. So after. Complete silence for at least a minute, if not two, and it, and in dead air time, that's an eternity. Sure, because you're you're at one point you're going like, is this person still even on? Am I just right. sitting here with a fucking <laughs> look at my phone, and sure enough, oh, I've been call ended fucking thirty seconds. Ago. Right. Finally gets back on the horn, and not. There's a little, not a language barrier, but a dialect barrier sure. going on. So I can't really make out initially what she says. So I'm like, so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying I can get, I can get cable and lower my price back down to $50. No, 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 she can provide the same internet, add cable and add $10 to my, to my bill. Exactly why you called. Exactly right? why I called. <laughs> oh, thank you, dumbass motherfucker. I appreciate that. It's it's amazing, you know. And like, is that that can't be the the uh, training in the strategy for customer service, right? Is it always an upsell? It wouldn't surprise me with, especially with cable and internet, if that's exactly what it is. That they're saying, I don't care what the customer says. Get more service and more money, right? Because you, I mean, you can you could see someone going like, "Oh, well, cable for ten dollars more." Even if that wasn't the purpose of the call, I'm sure there are some people that do that. But Schmerz. why? But why inconvenience everyone who calls? Exactly, exactly. And I'm and I'm sure because it was a special that they were having, it was going to go up to like 130 bucks. Exactly. After the fucking year yeah. goes up. After, yeah, three days. Oh, and by the way, you have to have it at full price for three years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so, and then lo and behold, I do my research to see what the other provider was. And the only other provider was half the internet speed that I have for only 10 bucks less or something like that. And I'm like, well, this isn't fucking happening. You know, uh, we're just past the holiday season. And over Christmas, I I purchased my my grandma. You know, she she likes to read a lot. She's in a nursing home. You still have a grandma? I still have a grandma. Good Lord. I've, I've had one grandparent for... Mm, over 20 years. Okay. But, uh, but uh, she's still kicking. She's in the nursing home, and her, her vision is kind of starting to go. And so I thought I would get her a three-month subscription to... Um, not Maybe it is Audible. I don't know. Some, some Reader's audio, Digest? Some, oh, yes, yeah, Reader's Digest. Some audiobook Parade service. Parade Magazine? For, yeah. Yep. Uh, Teen Beat. <laughs> uh, Tiger. No, I, I thought I'd get her a, a three-month subscription to some audiobook provider, and I think the deal was you'd get like three free downloads a month or something. So I bought it, and then on Christmas Eve, went over to uh, the nursing home, and I was gonna—I told my grandma I'd set it up for her. So she also she has a she has an iPad. And probably like first or second generation iPad. That's her computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that their operable? Was oh, it's still operable. But uh, to your point, the you ha- so I, ha- I think you have to download. I'm trying to remember exactly. I think you have to download Audible's app 
to to listen to it. And that, that, that's what it was. You had to download Audible, whoever it was, their app to listen to it. And the, the app was not compatible with the iPad 1 or 2 or whatever right. she had. So, uh, and, and my parents were kind of in a hurry. They were going to be going to church. So I was kind of messing around with it. Wasn't able to help her out. So I told her I'd come back a few days later. And eventually realized after multiple customer service calls that uh, <laughs> that it just there was no way to possibly like you'd think you could click to a link or something and not need the app, but you absolutely do need the app. And so that's how they get you. That's how they get you. And so I was like, all right, well, I want a refund then for you know the fifty dollars or whatever it was for the three months. And uh, that's said, not happening. Well, the woman said. Uh, oh, well, I see that you, cause I'd attempt, I'd, I'd made the first purchase for her. There's a couple books that one that she wanted, one that I thought, uh, she would like. And so I, I downloaded one of shades them. Shades of gray. Shades of gray. Yep. Mm-hmm. 50 shades darker. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, they were like, well, I see that you've already downloaded one of the books. And I was like, yeah, but I can't access it. And they're like, well, we can't refund you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you can, you can definitely refund me. <laughs> And I, I, I told the woman I was talking, I think I because I was in my grandma's room, it was me and my mom and my grandma, and I think I was maybe a little bit forceful or something, and I said something like, look, maybe you don't have the authority to do it, but there's absolutely no way that you're not able to refund this. You know, put me on with somebody you can, and sure enough, they were able to uh, to refund it. So I get up- Squeaky the- wheel, Jeremy. Yes, exactly. But uh, the re- my, my grandma's Christmas gift to me was her comment when I got off the phone. She said, uh, now- Keep in mind that it was a successful transaction. I got the refund. Right. Uh, and then I was, long story short, I was able to come up with a different accommodation so she was able to get some books. But when I got off the phone, my grandma said, you should have asked her what country she was from. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, uh, so that, not, you can't go without the racial comment no, on I mean, Christmas yeah, it's, from it's, the older folks. It's in, once you reach a certain, if you're older than 70, it's mm-hmm. almost endearing the race, the, ca- <laughs> the casual racism. Um, before we get into War of the Worlds, which is today's movie, this is a potentially recurring uh, segment I want to uh, bring up. Just not related to the movie in any way. Just a lot of phrases that you hear regularly, either be it in business setting, just day to day life, things people say. There's a lot of them that tend to piss me off or frustrate me, and I thought I'd throw a few out there. Do tell. Um, one. Uh, this is this is. There, I mean, you could almost make a segment out of just kind of corporate speak. There are and it's it's. There's many phrases that there's I. There's a whole movie about corporate speak. It's called Office Space. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, but there's a lot of things that I think I use now in my everyday life that is because of just you know working in business. Yeah. And it's probably many that I don't even associate with that. But uh, one of the worst phrases i've ever heard and i've heard this multiple times i think i've even used it once which saddens me uh is you know a lot of times people are working you're somebody you're you're uh, maybe a client or another entity is not in the same geographical area as you or even you know big companies you work in many different areas throughout the u.s or abroad and so a lot of times you're interacting with people that you're not face to face with. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you, you know, I'll be, I'll email somebody and I need to be in touch with somebody else, but that person, I'm never going to meet. I'm never going to be in the same room as them. And, uh, there's a phrase for situations like this where you're meeting, so to speak, I'm mm-hmm. putting air quotes up, you're meeting somebody, but it's really just an introduction over email. And there's a phrase that, and it's this specific phrasing 
It's a pleasure to meet you virtually. It's so... It's just nails on chalkboard. It's so fucking annoying. I've never heard this term. I pray to the God that I don't believe in that it never takes place. What that means is not meet you. It's nice to not have met you because you are... (laughs) You're an email address to me in a format in an email that I see a million times a day. (laughs) Uh, So that's number one. Uh, Number two... I'm going to piggyback off this, so keep that in mind... uh, Get you, your, get go, your, go ahead now. There's there's a commercial that just drives me absolutely fucking bonkers. Sure. So I have Hulu, and so they do play commercials on Hulu, right? Sure. And there's one that... And they just rotate like the same like three, four, five maybe. Sure. Uh, every time you pull it up. And one of them is for Match.com. Sure. Okay. Is it Come Find Me? Is it that one? So there's that chick... Yeah. There's a, there's a red And that chair. woman has no problem finding people. No, no, she's getting fucking yeah. dick every fucking day. Yeah. Match.com is for schlubs like me and you. <laughs> right. So there's a there's a redheaded girl who's attractive, not quite as attractive as the blonde. Sure. And her like because they have because there's a dude, there's that blonde chick, and then there's the redheaded chick, right? And mm-hmm. the dude says I forget what the dude says, but the but the blonde chick says, Come find me. Looking for chicks to fuck. Yeah, right. <laughs> if he's gonna be honest. And then the redhead chick says, can't wait to meet you. And it's it's like this kind of like, you know, who? Yeah. Yeah. It could be a a serial rapist. Can't wait to meet you. As a standalone statement in that realm, it doesn't mean fucking anything. Right. Is Is it one of those things that like... People who are just lost cannot find a fucking mate to save their life and who are just desperate for something like that, though, that phrase just just must... can't wait to meet anyone. Right. And and just you're so desperate for a relationship that somehow those those combinations of words <laughs> like just make you more uh, in, indulge to dive into match.com. Is, is that, You're right. Is that it? Am I, am I in, in, am I in the realm of the right answer here? Or? I think so. Well, and also like, I mean, obviously everybody knows the actors and actresses that hire for any product, any commercial, right. they're obviously more attractive than the average person, <laughs> right. but right. it's kind of funny with online dating. Cause it's like, Nobody, nobody's like, oh, that's the caliber of like. We know you're an act, you're a paid actor and actress, <laughs> right? We know it's it's the overweight mom with you know seven kids. That's that's who we're finding on. They're not the Scandinavian right. beauty. <laughs> um, just moved here. Just moved here. Haven't found anybody to fuck yet. <laughs> Could be you. Freshly shaven. <laughs> um, so there's a there's a kind of a bevy of terms that just it's just a common term yes. starts with my. There's one in particular, but I'll, I'll I'll set it up with like when people say like my journey or my story, those are annoying enough, but they're at least like it makes my truth is such an annoying phrase because these are common phrases you hear in the workplace. Never heard somebody say not, no. This isn't workplace anymore. Oh, this okay. is just this just is just another phrase. Everyday life. My truth though, like that. Hey, that well, that's not in line with my truth. I've never heard this. You've never heard? No. I bet you have. Okay. And it just hasn't annoyed you to the extent that okay. it annoys me. Because it, it, it sounds like something that would be, what the fuck are you talking it's, about? It's uppity woman speak, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, my truth. Truth is inherently objective. You're trying to subjectify the objective. My No, you know what? Your truth is everybody's truth. And there's already a phrase for it. 
truth. <laughs> My truth. That's such a that's such a mindfuck of words. I know, it's it's almost like uh, it's kind of like in men, in some ways it's like when you know when people how like now it's basically acceptable to use the term literally figuratively. Yes. Like it's kind of like one of those things. It is. It, it, it's a it's, symptom it's of the, the same ballpark. disease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my last one. Uh, <laughs> have you ever? Okay. This is a, a this is a phrase that I've heard. A few times, and every, the thing is, it's like when people use it, it's almost always with kind of like a, I know a lot of shit, huh? Or like, or kind of like I'm pretty smart, even though it's a, it's like nobody, everybody. When you hear this, you know the person saying it didn't come up with it. Mm. But have you ever heard the the definition of insanity? Uh, it's it's when you you're attempting to do the same thing and expecting different results. Right. Yeah. And every time somebody says it, like that's the definition of insanity. It's when you're doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, which, I mean, I understand the situation it applies to. It's like, yeah. hey, you got to change your ways if you want to change results. But the thing that upset, uh, that like really pisses me off about it is it's a much better definition of practice. Doing the same <laughs> thing over and over again, expecting a different result. <laughs> right, like right, if I right. were, if I were, uh, you know, if I were on a team or something and... If you play basketball and want to be as good as Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, if somebody's saying, hey, you got to practice. Well, why? That, well, you you got to do the same thing all over again to expect a different result. No, no coach. That is the definition of insanity. Um, so those are I just story. wanted to drop Michael Jordan's name again. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, we, I forgot to bring up the... Uh, what was it? In our initial recording of... Uh, I brought up Michael Jordan for something in the initial recording of uh, Collateral. Yeah. But uh, oh, did you? Yeah, but who cares? Okay. It's gone. Um, anyway, this could be a semi-regular. There's a lot of phrases that piss me off. So uh, depending on we're how... almost twenty minutes into this. Yeah, let's yeah. Let's get into War, War of the Worlds. Worlds. All right, I'm gonna do a real quick recap, uh, and then we can talk about some of our our. Well, first of all, you liked the movie. I did not. Um, mm -hmm. But the, the the plot of the movie, you know, obviously it's based on H.G. Uh, Wells. There was a famous. There's a famous uh, radio I've never, broadcast. I've never heard the actual radio broadcast. No, I haven't either. But So it's a story by H.G. Wells, and there's a famous radio broadcast of the H.G. Wells story spoken by Orson Wells. Just, it, like, I guarantee for up until, like, three days ago, I probably assumed it was the same person. H.G. Wells. It's if you, Orson Yeah, Wells. if you would have asked me, I would have said, yeah, same person. Um, and uh, so the story is about... Uh, I think in the original story it's Martians, but in this they in the movie they never really say where these aliens come from. But they're attacking Earth, and we see the, this invasion through the eyes of Tom Cruise as Ray Farrier and his two kids. Wait, what's his fucking name? Ray Farrier. Oh, I thought you said Rafe, and I'm like, oh, they went with a, one of those stupid. Yeah. Fucking... <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the beginning of the movie, uh, Tom Cruise is he's he's working on the dock. He's a, a Steve Steve Doer or Steve Doer or something is the official term, which I know from the I wire. He's a crane operator. But yeah, but it's like it's for imports. It appears because so that's a specific crane a, operator. Uh, is not, that more not crane, specialized it's, or it's a dock worker. It's another. Okay. It's like a. It's like the official name for a dock worker. Okay. Um, and so he's. You didn't happen to glass door the salary in that at all. I did not. Okay. I did not. Well, New York though. I mean, I know it's got to be up there. It's crazy because uh, I because I glass doored crane operator in New York City, and I got anywhere from like fifty five to five hundred thousand. I'm like, all right, well that doesn't help me. Sure. But so he's he, the opening of the movie. He's performing crane work for you know some sort of import export, 
and uh, he goes art, for Art Vandalay. Art Vandalay. <laughs> he goes. He goes home, and uh, his what appears to be his ex-wife is dropping their two kids off. He's got them for the weekend. They never really. This movie doesn't really provide a lot of context in general, which I I think is all right. But in this case, I got the sense. That he, it's not, he's not like the divorced dad who has the kid every other week. I got the sense that he doesn't really see these kids very often. I got a vibe of like once a month is the vibe. I thought he, maybe even less than that, only oh, because okay. she, the, the mom is kind of like inspecting his house and he's got an engine block uh, in the living room and he's like, oh, I'll, I'll I be it was getting in the kitchen. Yeah, I think it was in the <laughs> yeah. kitchen. Um, so anyway, you get the sense that, you know, they're clear, definitely divorced and he doesn't see the kids all that often and he's got to take care of them while. Uh, the mother and her and the stepdad uh, go off on some trip or something for the weekend, and so very quickly. Is it like the Fourth of July or like some kind of like some? It's not summer though, because he's wearing there are a lot of people yeah, wearing there's jackets. Yeah, and he's stuff. definitely got a jacket. I don't know if they give a time yeah time signal, but uh, there's well, you know very early on there's reports of uh, um, lightning storm in Poland and. Like the Ukraine or something? I think it was Poland. Okay. Be- uh, I made a note of it because, or maybe, yeah, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I just made this up. But I thought it was fun, interesting because uh, it was Poland and it was lightning. And, you know, World War II started with Germany's invasion of Poland mm-hmm. with the Blitzkrieg, which ah. stands for Lightning War. Um, and I read somewhere that uh, Spielberg apparently has a lot of World War II references in his movies. Mm-hmm. H.G. H.G. Well, Schindler's List, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so very quickly, whatever this lightning event is in Ukraine or Poland, it starts happening in New York. Uh, there's machines that are being operated by aliens that have been buried for a long time, apparently, under the earth. And now they're kind of rising up. There's an alien attack. And so the bulk of the movie, that's this is probably half an hour in after the... the um, robots arise from the alien controlled robots arise from new york city and then uh the rest of the movie is tom cruise and his you know teenage probably about 15 16 year old son and 10 year old daughter played by dakota fanning it's them evading the aliens and it's non-stop they're just constantly bombarded they're trying to get to boston where the mother is uh and it's just, there's a few things that happen there they try to board so uh, the the lightning is like an EMP pulse and it shuts down everything. None of the cars work. But Cruz has a mechanic friend and he suggests he repairs the solenoid, which apparently it actually works like a solar starter, wasn't it? It's he calls it a solenoid. I don't, okay. which I think is a car, I, it, has, it is I, a car. I believe part. it has something to do with the starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it turns out that it works. So Cruz has he, but this is his mechanic friend who's working on a car. So it, but the car runs now. Cruz and his family evade. They leave the house. They take the car, and they're, they're, it's the only working car in the area, so they're trying to drive to Boston. Eventually, there's an angry mob that overtakes the car. They then get on a ferry, uh, which I don't know exactly where it's going. It's somewhere in, you know, in uh, uh, New England, and they're en route to Boston. Uh, there's, a, there's a machine that comes up from under the water while they're on the ferry, and it capsizes. They swim to shore. Uh, the sun... Is oddly obsessed with watching the army shoot the tripods. They're called. Yeah, the he always wants to get involved. Yeah, he's, he's always trying. Yeah, and he's he's and with in his relationship with with Cruz throughout the film is constant. He's constantly running away. Yeah, being a fucking asshole. And he's he's just being the like my ten year old son has a name for it, the the uh, uh, teenage uh, 
teenage teenage angsty teenager. Angsty teen. That's yeah. exactly what yeah. he is. He's an angsty teenager. Yeah. Uh, when they were still back home before they left, he stole the car. Apparently, he doesn't have his license. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, just for a joyride. But so after they get across the ferry. There's the army are fighting these tripods and the kid for some reason is just like, I need to do this. Leave me alone. So it's almost presumed that he's dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cruz. Because, and, because he goes over the hill. And there's a big explosion. Big explosion where it's like, well, no one survived that exactly. one. Exactly. So then Tim Robbins plays Ogilvy. Who is that ha- his name? Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> so he owns, he owns a farm. He shepherds in, uh, Cruz and Dakota Fanning, uh, Keep him at this point. It's been a day since the attack, and he Ogilvy. We'll get back to him, but he's clearly lost his mind mm-hmm. in a day. I mean, he lost well, his whole family. It's, uh, I understand. Yeah, that's true. But let's let's. There's probably other things that made him lose his mind over the course of time. Well, he's, he found that case of pea schnapps, and that's not helping. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> uh, so eventually, Cruz has to kill Ogilvy because he's uh, he's lost his mind, and he's. Doing things to trying attra- to dig a tunnel. He's trying to dig a tunnel somewhere. It's never really explained because it's just to prove that he's insane. But yeah. he's being loud and attracting the attention of the aliens. So uh, Cruz's event. Eventually, his daughter runs off from the farmhouse. Cruz goes out to save her. He's picked up by one of the tripod machines. Have a bunch of tentacles. He's picked up by one. She's also picked. She's up. also picked up. Yeah. And it so it turns out. That the while the tripods they use a heat ray to kind of incinerate everyone and kill them in New York. They also Just completely obliterate obliterate them. them. Yeah, but they also apparently harvest humans in some way and like they eat them or something for sustenance because each tripod has two metal cages up high in the air with it and, and they suck in humans. They bring up humans and one by one, it, there's like a mouth almost to the to the tripod. And it'll select people, and Cruz is, is picked. But he, they become fertilizer, essentially. Yeah, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah. They do. So. It, they never explain how anybody has any additional information on these things. It's only no. been a day, but they use humans for fertilizer. Uh, Cruz is selected in one of the pods, but he's got grenades with him, and yeah, I, which he happened to grab from a Humvee when he was right. being attacked attacked or searched for yeah they do show him pick up the grenades yeah. but as he's being sucked into the mouth of the tripod the humans are also pulling like trying to save him from it and he's pulling all, on his legs pulling on his legs and yeah. he's all but sucked in except for one arm or one leg and they event they pull him out he comes out he, so he's back in the metal cage and then he takes out of his mouth he takes a pin so he's clearly got a grenade and uh, and then there's a and then there's a soldier that's also captured and sees the pin that Cruz removes from his mouth. And right. It's like everybody get down. <laughs> yeah. And so the the tripod blows up and they so they've defeated one for once. And uh, then the next day it shows. This is this is essentially the ninety uh, percent of the way through the movie. Well, and uh, then this is the <laughs> I kind of equate it to the. Uh, uh, Randy Quaid moment in right. Independence Day where they blow up one and then they all start right kind of crumbling after that. Well, but so yeah, the next day after this, the uh, Cruz and Fanning are walking, and uh, they're essentially through Boston. Right? I, yeah, because yeah. they're close to the mother's house, and they they get word that one of the other tripods it wasn't attacked; it just kind of fell over. And eventually, Cruz and Fanning make it to Boston, make it to the mom's house where the son apparently did not die. And, uh, no explanation. No explanation. Uh, and it turns out that the narrator, voiced by Morgan Freeman, right. tells us that uh, the you know the humans have thousands of years of adapting and uh, and you know growing uh, 
uh, what's the word, for immunity to uh, the various human diseases, but the aliens do not. And so it's the, the, you know, it's fucking influenza or something that takes them all out. Movie's over. Everybody of import lives. Uh, yeah, I was not a fan of this movie. Eric, I hear that you liked it, though. Love it. It's my love genre. It. It's uh, I love uh, po- uh, post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic movies. I love watching humanity uh, be obliterated by outside sources, whether it's a <laughs> whether it's a meteor, whether it's aliens, whether it's earthquakes, tsunamis, or giant hurricanes. The weather, geo geostorm. You ever see that one? That was a, I, I yeah. remember the word or so, the the term, but I, no, I never saw that. That was a that was a movie. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, what the fuck is his name? Uh, big dude, uh, Gerard. The Rock. Gerard oh. Butler is. Uh, anyway, uh, where would yeah. you put this in the? Would this be top three, top five of? I would. Genre? I don't. I haven't compiled the list, but I would be fair to say it's probably in the top three. Would you like it more or less than Independence Day? Ooh. For me, now, granted, it's not really a fair comparison because I just saw this movie for the first time at thirty-eight. Yeah. I saw Independence Day when I was like fifteen or right, something. Right. Love that movie. Although it was it was kind of the best example of I don't think I've ever been more excited for a movie like then, pumped than yeah. Independence Day and right. so it kind of had some of that letdown of like it impossible standards to live up to. Sure, no, I completely understand that. And this is in this it it is in the in the category of um, post you know or apocalyptic or end of the world. Sure, I mean it's called War of the Worlds, um, but you know and then of course. Uh, Independence Day, lots of comedic lines sure. in that movie. Um, you know, the aforementioned Randy Quaid, Randy Quaid, uh, uh, Will Smith. You know, you got some comedic actors right. in that film. This one, there's zero comedy. No, I mean the only thing that's even remotely comedic uh, would be maybe Tim Robbins' character. Yeah, who's yeah. a little bit of a batshit crazy dude. Right. Um, but uh, no, this this does everything that an apocalyptic alien invasion movie is supposed to. It does it right. It does it, and and in and in great fashion. I mean that the moment the the action starts, it does not stop. I will give you that. Aside from a few moments of in between, I, this is going all the way, and 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 it does it in fine fashion and. Um, we learn very quickly how they're going to eliminate the humans, and they shoot these lasers of sorts. And it gets and going. The movie gets going very quickly. Very quickly. Once once they get out of the uh, out from underground, mm-hmm. they're pretty operable. Yeah. <laughs> well, it makes you wonder. Like, is Cruz's experience? Is he super unlucky, or is this the experience of everyone? Because it's literally escape from one hazard, the next one pops up. It's got the that kind of Walking Dead vibe, where like, right, where it's. You're trying to escape the, you know, the outside source, which is the the aliens, right? Where like the outside source in Walking Dead's the the zombies, but you got all these humans that you have to avoid as well, exactly. That are causing all these. You got you know the the military, which is trying to cause um, some kind of ordinance for like getting on to that to that ferry, and, right? You know all these other aspects or whatever, and they're not in control of shit. And I mean, people turn into an unruly mob. They, as I right. said, Cruz had the van, and it's one of the few working car, one of the few working vehicles. Right. Well, they're, he's eventually overtaken by an angry mob. Yep. And they steal his gun, and they start shooting at each other. Right. I mean, it's just, well, it's just all chaos. I thought it was funny too because it, Cruz is kind of pulled from the van. His daughter is still in there, 
And he had he had taken a pistol with him from his house before they went on the lam. That's true. Yeah. And uh, and so at one point when the crowd's getting out of control, he gets hit with a board and he pulls out his gun and fires it in the air and everybody kind of takes a step back. And one of the guys in the crowd goes, put the gun down. Like he's just being attacked <laughs> with a board. The crowd is clearly trying to steal his car. Right, like, right. No need for violence. Right, right. I think it's funny too. Like there's uh, this is obviously um, one of those – Okay, so I I always refer back to 9-11 when people say the preposterous statement, like, when tragedy strikes, that's when humanity gets together and pulls... Oh, pulls, no, yeah. And, it's, like, no, that's when, like, everyone's out exactly. for themselves, you know? Yeah. And then, like, in, poise, in case in point, the fucking one operable vehicle, everyone wants it, and they'll kill each other over it. Right. I mean... I mean, uh, food. I mean, look, even at anything. You know, the 1930s radio broadcast. Broadcast. People freaked out because they thought they they didn't hear the warning. You know, initially, there's a basically something up front saying, "Hey, this is just a story." But a lot of people didn't catch that. They tune in halfway through, and they, in the 30s, a lot of people thought aliens were actually attacking, <laughs> right. and they probably freaked out and turned into an angry mob, right. turned on each other. It's decency to each other is uh, is an aberration. We're a, we're a string. We're one tragedy away from everyone turning on each other. Um, I I did also enjoy how there were multiple facets to the way that the aliens were killing off the humans too. You had the obliteration ray, the heat ray, yeah, right, and then you also had the harvesting, right, where they're just sucking up people and turning them into goo, right. I didn't understand the fertilization part, like no. what exactly they're. I didn't understand like the roots kind of, you know, like throughout yeah, Ogilvy's house, yeah. they never really, there's like, it's like there's roots growing on things. They look like blood vessels. Yeah, it looks like blood vessels. So, yeah. But they never, they Address. show it happening, but they never talk about what, the, is that supposed to be like right. the aliens are feeding off the earth or something? Right, right. Um, I kind of like how they don't address it. Too. There is, I, I, yeah, I kind of like the lack of it does of leave it to you to decide what the fuck that was. Right. And, 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 you know, if this were to actually happen to you, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. It. You wouldn't have a fucking clue. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, the what my one gripe, <laughs> I have to have a gripe because oh, I'm a course. cynical asshole. <laughs> my one gripe in this is the beginning of the flick, you know, Cruz is obviously, what did you call it? It wasn't a, a crane operator. Steve Door. Steve Door? It's it's a dock worker. Okay, he's a he's some kind of dock worker. But this is a this is a uh, you know a hard labor skill. Yeah, this is something that you don't learn overnight. No, um, you know when he pulls up late to his own home because they're trying to drop off the kids and then right. she's doing the whole like checking every crook you know nook and cranny in the, yeah, at, in the house at one point. Because she's kind of, you get the sense that she's, this is why I say that I don't think he sees the kids very often, is she, she seems kind of taken aback, like, this is where you're living, like, my kids are staying here. Mm-hmm. Says they're, the, the two kids have to share a room, and she said they're a little old to share. But, at what, like, early on, after after Cruz says that, he's like, that's an engine block, I'm getting rid of that or something. Yeah. She opens the fridge to see not a lot of food and just a little splash of milk left, and then she smells it. Cruz needs to call her a cunt in that scene. What the fuck are you doing? Get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And yeah, just a lot of just a lot of judging going on. I also thought one thing, so with the the whole the fact that, you know, he's a late he's kind of supposed to be a uh, a blue collar kind of guy, you know, dock worker. Yeah. And you know, he so the very opening he's finishing up his shift and his supervisor's like, Hey, we need I know you're supposed to be off for twelve hours, but we need you in four. 
can you come back? Like all of Korea, this is why I thought it was an import export because he's like, all of Korea is coming in uh, tomorrow. And he's, and Cruz says, for, well, for one thing, just in general, he's not believable as a day laborer type. <laughs> right. And right. he says, right. no, 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 I'm on a 12 hour blow. Like, because that's like the way that, that's how these hard neck guys right, talk. Right, like, I'm on right. a blow. But they never, <laughs> for like, for one thing, the fact that he, I mean, he's just not believable as the laborer. Yeah. I thought that that was going to play into some way how he defeats the. Oh, uh, by like, being the, the like hard neck. The, you know, operating the crane right. or something, some skills he learned there. But it never really comes up again. It never comes and up again. why have that in the movie? Like, just start with him at home. It reminded me of. Uh, a uh, uh, lifetime movie near and dear to our hearts. Uh, she woke up pregnant, which is about the story of a woman who goes in for some surgery. Dental work. Isn't Dental it? work, I yeah. think. Yeah, she's put under. She's raped, and uh, her husband had a vasectomy. Or no, no, he's infertile because the husband was a construction worker. And Lifetime is trying <laughs> to show kind of the, the you know the gritty. These are hard living guys. Yeah. And so the banter, like. Uh, the, at one, there's one scene in that movie where the, the construction worker is saying that his wife's pregnant again. At this point, they don't know that it's the doctor. Right. But apparently he's had discussions with his co-workers that he's either... His drinking buddies. His drinking buddies. Uh, that he's either somehow become infertile or had a vasectomy or something because... Uh, as he tells one of his coworkers that his wife is pregnant... Maybe one of the best lines in movie cinema. Yeah, exactly. His, his, uh, his co-worker says, But How? I thought there was no lead in your pencil. <laughs> and Clearly written by a woman. Yeah, exactly. Like he'd be like, "What the? How the fuck did you knock her up, you son of a? Let's go drink some whiskey." That's how they talk, you know. But <laughs> right. Lifetime can't have how they're actually talking, mm-hmm. and neither can uh, this movie. Cruise can't pull it off. A Twelve-hour yeah, yeah. blow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just. Yeah, she's super cunty, and then uh, the kid is just a fucking cocksucker. Yeah, and 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 it is the angsty teenager that he's trying to be, but it, it's so it's so much more than the angsty teenager because I feel like even an angsty teenager in the events of Alien Invasion is right. gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna listen. I to need dad. my dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, in, in, in not times dad. of crisis. Not dad. Ray. Yeah, he calls, he calls him Ray. He calls him Ray. He won't refer to him as dad. There, there's also an early scene where Cruz wants to have a catch with his son. And uh, it's well documented that anytime Tom Cruise is attempting to do any basic athletic activity, it looks funny. And I, his throwing <laughs> motion is so spastic. Yeah. It's like it's hard to explain. He he starts off fine, but once he gets to about as he's doing the throw, throwing the baseball, as he gets his uh, his arm about parallel with his head, he shifts into this weird spastic wrist throw. And like sidearm, yeah, yeah, almost sidearm, but it's like, it's almost like his arm is on is is like being held back by a rubber band that is suddenly chopped, and he just yeah. kind of <laughs> throws right. it. It looks horrible, right. but uh, to show the angstiness, the kid doesn't want to be there. He's just doing there because there because Cruz asked him to have a catch, and he eventually steps out of the way of one of the throws, and it breaks a window. That's mm. and that's pretty much the kid throughout the movie. He's constantly running away, yeah. causing problems, right. won't call him dad. At a certain point, he says to Cruz, he's like, oh, ever since this happened, you're just trying to get us to Boston so you can dump us off on mom. Good plan! He should! <laughs> right. These right. kids are fucking miserable. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, there's, there's this... And if he doesn't, it's inevitable death. That's essentially what it exactly. down to. Um, speaking of uh, people, uh, actors who can't throw, or this guy's an actor but a director, like, I, I recently saw, I can't remember why I looked this up, 
but it was Judd Apatow mm-hmm. throwing the first pitch at a Mets game. Ooh. And this one was brutal. Really brutal. <laughs> and then, like... Have you seen the 50 Cent? Or yeah, a... I saw that one, too. That one was that one was rough. And that one, I was like, how does 50 Cent not know how to throw a fucking baseball? I know. Judd Apatow, sure. He, he could take nine bullets, but... <laughs> right. But can't throw, throw one. But, like, you know... It, why, if you're John Apatow, why agree to that? Exactly. Why go, yeah, no, I want to completely humiliate myself. Yeah. I know I can't I know I know can't throw a baseball from the pitcher's mound to home plate. Exactly. I'll take a hard pass. Do you have another kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, way of celebrating me at a right. baseball game? Can I wave to the crowd out the, uh, like, luxury box? Exactly. You know. Uh, you know, perhaps the high point of George W. Bush's presidency was after 9-11. Oh, when he, he, throws, throws, that, pitch. he throws that strike. And uh, it's probably the best, you know, non-baseball player uh, throw right. that I've seen. Because usually you only see them because they're bad. But I heard a story that he was kind of warming up uh, in the dugout. And Jeter was there. And he pulled him aside. And he said, just don't. He said something like, just don't throw it short. Yeah, don't skip it. Or don't something. skip it. Yeah. Nobody wants to see that right now. Yeah. And it's like, thank, thanks, Jeter. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's, not it's not like I'm pressure already packed like, enough. Like pissing my pants right now. Yeah. 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 Um, but fuck George W. Bush. Anyway, oh, so. exactly. <laughs> uh, so there was one thing that I thought was funny. When the mom was dropping the kids off during that scene, she says to Tom Cruise, like, oh, and Robbie, the son, Robbie's got a paper due oh, yeah. on the French occupation of algeria what like i, I missed the the european colonialism uh, yeah. section of school and i right. think they only put that in because in a sense the aliens are looking to colonize earth or something no i kind of got that as a vibe of like he's obviously not gonna be able to do this on his own like you're gonna have to help him yep you know like if it was just like a paper on Benjamin Franklin. It's like, all right, well, look up Benjamin Franklin, you dick. Right, yeah. You know? Oh, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. He's not going to know a lot about the French occupation of Algeria. Nor is anyone else. Uh, one thing. So we've talked about Robbie a lot. Uh, I can't. Oh, Rachel is uh, Dakota Fanning, the 10-year-old yeah. daughter. Yeah. Just, I don't even know how to pinpoint it, but super fucking annoying throughout this movie. Really? The, the one thing. I'll, the screaming. Yeah, yeah, screaming, and I don't know. She just annoyed the shit on me. And it's funny because usually, it's, for some reason, especially little girls, it seems like, are always presented as wise beyond their years in oh, movies. Yeah. She wasn't yeah. that bad, although at one point early on, I think it's right after Robbie throws the ball or dodges the ball, so it goes to the window. She oh. says something to him like, you know, if you really want to connect with him. She's 10 fucking years old. To connect with him? Like, she doesn't know that. They'd be like, right. be nice to him, Dan. Uh, but I think uh, Spielberg's clearly trying to recreate the magic of Drew Barrymore and E.T. with her. Mm, um, that was the failed attempt there? I, that, that's my thought. I don't know why she annoyed me. I can't point to anything specific, but she just annoyed just the, the shit out Otherwise, I found her character to be suitable. I don't know. Yeah. Um, did you notice the neighbor, who the neighbor was? Yeah, all? Amy Ryan uh, from The Office yeah, and, and The Wire. Beatty from The Wire. Wait, she was in The Wire, too? Uh, for, she was in season two. She was a fellow officer and love interest of Jimmy McNulty. Mm. And uh, she said something, because uh, when the there's a weird, it almost looks like a storm that kind of shows when the invasion's first happening in New York, and everybody goes to their backyard to look at it. 
And there's all this crazy shit happening. It's clearly not a typical weather phenomenon. Right. And uh, it's windy, and then it stops being windy. And there's lightning with no thunder. Right. Chris points out. And Amy Ryan says, "Well, I've had enough of this weather," and heads back in. Just a weird line. Yeah. Because she's not integral <laughs> to the plot at all. I've had right. enough of this weather. The only thing, and, and I don't, I don't think you can show this in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, when apocalyptic movies, especially. Um, it's like just show a couple kids get it. Come on, let's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's right. Let's try to right. And, and I'm sure there's something in Hollywood that says like you can't kill kids. Yeah, or something, yeah. Because it just might look a little rough. Exactly. But it's like it would be enjoyable though. <laughs> it just goes to show how it's just like uh, a limb lose a limb. It loses a limb. Oh, the kid loses a limb in in the new it. They yeah, show him yeah. His arm getting pulled off, which I was like. Here we go. So wait, are you talking about the kid at the beginning in the sewer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shows his arm getting ripped off, and I'm like, hey, we're on, we're on to something. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, it's uh, – I just – it had all the elements that I that I like and that I need right. in the in the end-of-the-world type movies where it's just tons of people are just getting obliterated. No one has a, any shot at living. Um, you know, it's just this – horrible mix of like aliens and humans treating each other like shit it's right just like just a real it's, it's just a real kind of uh how we really think of each other like we right don't give a fuck about anybody else but ourselves we are such yep. a selfish fucking animal right we have the illusion of civility but right. that is the that's the aberration yeah um i thought at one point early on the daughter dakota fanning says something about TiVo, and I just thought it was funny because oh, right. TiVo is a very, it's like, it's more, it's it's more, it's a better dating technique than Carbon 14 because it's such a small window where like TiVo was the first version of DVR, but it's pretty, it's, I don't it's probably Absolute. around, but completely obsolete. Yeah. completely obsolete. I thought that was funny. Uh, also, uh, when, again, to show that Cruz may not be that prepared to be uh, a good father to these kids. Uh, he's got no food in the fridge, and Dakota Fanning asks, "What are we having for dinner?" And he says, "I don't know." Order, and, she, and then he goes to bed. Yeah, but but <laughs> she she gets she gets hummus from the health food place, and granted, hummus was is all, probably a lot more ubiquitous now than it right. was in two thousand four, but it's pretty. It's not like an exotic flavor. It's not <laughs> like a it's not like a rice cake where it has no right, flavor. Right. It's good food. And I think to try to show he's the blue collar guy, he goes, "Yeah, when I said order, I, I meant food. Yeah, hummus yeah, yeah. is delicious. <laughs> Everybody loves hummus. I fucking hate it. Really? Hate it. Well, it's yeah. But it, you know what I mean? It's not like right. It's well, not like a you rice hear cake. It too, like I had no idea what it was. And it's like, oh, it's just crushed chickpeas. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't like chickpeas. So there you go. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the at, early on in their escape, once they've reached the car, at one point Robbie looks up through the windshield and he goes, "Why aren't there any helicopters or planes?" Like, I I would expect looking out in the sky to not see a helicopter or airplane. You know and, what I mean? And at that juncture, like, at any time, like right now, if I were to look out the window, I wouldn't be like, "Oh my God, there's no helicopters or airplane." <laughs> and I live pretty damn close to an airport here. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You're right off 494. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, uh, I had something. Oh, so this is the movie that, uh, Cruz was going around, uh, promoting on his tour. Yep. When, uh, he lands, 
Well, when he lands the Matt Lauer interview. Uh, it was also the, I read it was the Oprah Winfrey couch oh, jumping too. Spielberg. Which was actually, one was first? Was the Matt Lauer? I think Oprah was what kicked everything off. Okay. And then it was maybe two or three months. And by the way, you're t- this is 2004. Tom Cruise. You, was it? Uh, this, or no, I'm thinking of Collateral. 2005, actually. Five. Okay, so next So year, yeah. Cruise has a, almost 20 years of being, if not the... Um, certainly top three movie star. Yeah. And it takes... Jump, I mean, it was weird jumping on the couch in Oprah. And yeah, the Lauer interview didn't help. But it is kind of weird. He spends 20 years building up this reputation. Right. And it's out because he acts weird on Oprah and is somewhat short with Matt Lauer. Yeah, but there's already there's already a reputation that actors and That's actresses true. have of being... Scientology. Uh, well, the Scientology thing. But I don't think Scientology was really that much of a, like a head-scratcher at this point. Well, wasn't that kind of the a big part of the Lauer interview and the whole, I've studied the history. You haven't studied the history of psychology. They, uh, but I don't remember if they specifically. Oh, sure. He'd always kind of been linked to it, but never, it was always like, Oh yeah, Tom Cruise is a Scientologist. (laughs) Right. right. Um, but it's funny. So I, I did rewatch that interview and it's so weird because you know, the, the interview is about eight or nine minutes. Sure. And the first half of the interview is about acting, is about the movie. Right. It's about, um, it's so weird because it's Matt Lauer and Cruz, you know, sitting in that space where they have those kind of one-on-one interviews on the Today Show where they're both on stools, kind of like turned into each other right. a bit. You know, kind an of intimate an conversation. Yeah, and, and periodically the camera, they'll have a specific camera on Katie Holmes completely off stage, like, Kind of like sitting on a couch, like in such a way where it's almost kiddish, where she's kind of like sitting almost with like. Oh, she's so in love, Eric. <laughs> right, but it, but it, he's being interviewed on live television. Right, you know? it's this right. weird kind of, and and they just periodically during the interview just show shots of her, which <laughs> I was just like, right, this is weird reaction shot. Yeah. Not even they weren't even like reaction shots, but those are kind of planned. Yeah, it was just kind of now let's put it on her while yeah, they're yeah. like for you know all five seconds and then go back to Lauer and <laughs> such a weird <laughs> Um So I've talked about how, you know, you get the sense Cruz hasn't doesn't see his kids a ton. But is Tom Cruise a shitty dad? I've got no. a, well, I've got a few a few notes right, that might right. might say Changed the opposite. My mind, Jeremy. One, uh, when he run when he comes back from the initial invasion and he's telling the kids we got to get out of the house in sixty seconds, doesn't give any. I mean, I can understand he's trying to protect his kids. Doesn't give any like, hey, there's aliens and machines right, and shit. Right, right. But he's like, he's freaking out and yelling at them. Yeah. When like I would, I mean, as a dad, the whole yeah, when it's scary. You're supposed to be the calming influence. Right. Right. Um, he makes no attempts to stay calm. Uh, he offers his daughter a peanut butter sandwich, not knowing that she's allergic to peanut butter. And peanut butter butter is one of those things where you can be people can die if you're allergic to okay. peanut butter. It's severely right. you can have severe allergies. Uh, his son steals his car with mm-hmm. no license. Mm-hmm. His daughter at one point is Which at, is like a muscle car too. Yeah, yeah. Like, and he's just like Yeah. Like Burning rubber. And... <laughs> oh, he's got to enjoy his 12-hour blower. <laughs> uh, his, at one point, his daughter asks him to sing, like, Hushabye Mountain and some some songs to comfort her. Doesn't know any of the daughter's songs. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, 
didn't really seem to care when his son was presumed dead. Never, there was no mourning or even like a, just like a cry or like stare in disbelief. It was just kind of like, oh, well, he's Robbie's probably dead. To give him the benefit of the doubt in that instance, though, uh, he the the it was a life and death situation, so there was no moment to grieve. Sure, you know. Um, I don't know if you can completely. Your phone is just fucked up. Yeah, huh? it, it's got you know the fingerprint. Uh, it's got the fingerprint unlock. I've never had yeah. issues with it twice today. Maybe my fingerprint changed. Probably. But it won't even give me the option to enter the password. Anyway, this is thrilling pod. <laughs> this is uh, uh, let's get to it. Let's get maybe to it's the... uh, EMP pulse. That's what it is. Aliens are coming, Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get to the how Tom Cruise of a Tom Cruise movie was this. I just got a few other po- or one small point. Okay. Okay. At one point, uh, the daughter and Robbie both have to use the bathroom, and so they kind of run off, and the daughter doesn't want to pee in front of Tom Cruise, so she's trying to get away she runs kind of into the woods a little bit and comes upon a river where all of a sudden you see a person floating down the river and then it's a bunch of and then there's a shitload of them why are there people floating down the river no sense yeah no sense um they were getting obliterated previously and now they're just randomly all face down in the stream exactly um shortly after the blast that should have killed robbie uh, that's when they encounter Ogilvy in the farmhouse. And it, there's been no introduction to this character up to this point. Cruz and Dakota Fanning are just running. And and t- Tim Robbins as Ogilvy is kind of in one of those like cellar doors that open up. Mm-hmm. He's just standing there and he goes, over here! Right. He doesn't know these people. Why right, is he right, like, hey, right, you right. two, out of all this mob of people, right. you two come over here. thought that was strange. We talked about how... Robbins is he's clearly weak of mind that it takes less than 24 hours for him to go from seemingly an upstanding farmer to uh, com- completely batshit crazy. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Ogilvy's death scene? I thought that was kind of oh, funny. where they kind of uh, they, he closes the door. Yeah, so he's a couple of grunts or he well he he puts uh, a blindfold on Dakota Fanning oh, and says right. no matter what. You here, don't take this off. Because right. at this point, Ogilvy's really lost it. He's yeah. kind of been progressing down this this dementia. And uh, and Tom, because Ogilvy's in another room digging this tunnel to nowhere. <laughs> and uh, he he does something. Yeah, oh, he hits, yeah. he hits Tom Cruise with a shovel. That's what it is. Because he's digging, and he hits him with a shovel. So Cruise goes over, puts a blindfold on, and just says, no matter what you hear, don't take this off. Goes into the room with Ogilvy, shuts the door. Comes out, just cruise. I was kind of hoping it was Ogilvy. <laughs> you really hated Cruz in this movie. Huh? I did. He's a, yeah. he's a terrible father. He almost <laughs> killed his daughter with peanut butter. Oh, Ogilvy does something where throughout, there, there's while they're in his farm basement, multiple times uh, one of the tentacles comes in, and it's kind of like an eye, so it's yeah. looking for people, and... Uh, for probably 15 minutes, it's you know it's in the house, just kind of looking around, and uh, they're they're running different spots to hide from the eye, and throughout the whole thing, Ogilvy has a shotgun with him, and this is towards the end of the 15 minutes, he takes a shell and puts it in the gun. Pro- they do this in movies all the time too, where a character has a pistol and he's pointed it at people, and you know threatened, and then at a certain point he cocks the gun, you know, right, and it's right, like right. come on. 
you're going to have the shell in the shotgun as you're carrying it around, and you're going to cock the gun when you're threatening people. Uh, at one point, there's an odd line where uh, Ogilvy and Cruz are together, and uh, he keeps like he'll keep talking or something, and Cruz is like, "Please be quiet." Which at, at this point, nobody knows anything about the detection. Then nobody knows if they can hear or anything. Right. And but Cruz is like, "Please be quiet, be quiet." And I don't remember exactly what scene, but after a tense encounter where the alien retreats, Ogilvy just turns to Cruz and he goes, he goes, you and me, I do not think we're on the same page. And then it cuts. And like, I, I just don't understand the point of that line. Well, I mean, I mean, it's safe to assume they can hear. I mean, they can travel across the universe to a different planet. But they may, I mean, they may have completely, you know, evolved completely different mechanisms to... Uh, yeah. To note people. Anyway, regardless. Yeah. Um, let's let's try to figure this out here. How Tom Cruise of a Tom Cruise movie was this? Sure. Um, the run. The only, the only thing. The only thing I'm thinking for these parameters moving forward because we're only on a show five here. Sure. We may have to change the parameters up based on the era of the movie. I think that's fair. And uh, well, also, we've done some tweaking with we're going to close this category, bring yeah. this one up. Yeah. Maybe we should just kind of say let the movie dictate the parameters. Sure. Because in some, in some cases, it's like, well, this doesn't really apply. In other yeah. You know, if it's right. just going to be like, ah, oh, there's nothing. Like overacting. Sometimes there just isn't any overacting and there's no point to bring it up. So, so Tom we, Cruise definitely runs in this movie. Oh, yeah. Do we, but we don't have the quintessential. Film, though, I think we? there is a good example of like it. early on in the Early scene? on when he's yeah. running back. Well, first of all, when the first uh, tripod pops up, people are not people. The reaction I imagine is people running away. They're just right. standing there looking at it. Right, but eventually, right, it starts right. blasting everybody with the heat laser, right. and there's a good montage of him running and people around him just being vaporized. Okay, yeah, no, there's certainly that. Um, doesn't it doesn't have the feel of the Tom Cruise run to me? No. So I'm going six with this. I think that's fair. Okay. Six, seven. Um. Overacting. I feel like there was a part that I noted, but I can't. There's, there's like just kind of glimpses of it, like with the hummus, like with yeah, with uh, the blow, Robbie, with yeah, um, you know, things of that nature. Because there's a lot of chaotic things that are happening. That's true. Um, around them almost constantly. Like I think he's yelling at him in the car at one point. Yes. So there's part of why he's a bad father. <laughs> It's got to be the calming presence, right? Um, but uh, not, not not the overacting, no, no, no. like screaming at uh, at uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yeah, in the right. bathroom. This might be maybe a six, probably on the positive end. I'm thinking, but not nothing extreme. Four I'm, or I'm six. Actually, I'm say. actually was going four. four. Okay, yeah. let's do four. Okay. Uh, do we have a smirk? Oh, again, I gotta start making notes of these because I feel like I remember seeing a smirk. It only had it could only have happened early beginning. on. Yeah, the yeah. very beginning. Because there's nothing to be smirking about. Maybe it. did he have some type of smirk when he's like leaving work where he's like, ah That's what I think it is because yeah. the boss, the foreman is trying to convince him to come back earlier and he's like, No way. Yeah. I got a I got a twelve hour blow. Okay. I'm gonna go three on that since we can't pinpoint yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> the music. I didn't. I think this might be one we abandoned for this because I don't. I didn't know. I have the no only music, right? Is when he sings uh, <laughs> "Little Deuce Coop." Well, it, and by the way, the singing was great because as 
he as the daughter's asking for the songs that he doesn't know because yeah. he's a shitty father. He, I'm the whole time. I'm like, please tell me Tom Cruise sings. And what he does, because <laughs> look, I'm a terrible singer. I'm, I think right. I might be tone deaf. I uh, horrible. And I, for there's something. I think maybe it's based on the fact that he can't throw a baseball, can't do all these things. I'm like, there's no way Tom Cruise is a good singer. And because he would have, <laughs> he would have been showboating. He's not a triple threat. No, he would. If he could sing, we would have heard him sing 20 times by now. Right, right, and right. So he does this thing where he's supposed to be. You know, exhausted and tired and scared. And trying to sing his daughter to sleep. Right. But yeah. he doesn't sing. He whispers, essentially. Yeah, He's yeah. like, Little Deuce Coop. She's my little Deuce Coop. You well, he sounds like he's about to break down in tears. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's he's thinking, yeah. everybody's gonna know I can't sing that. Um, so do we do we have the music category just I don't, based on him trying to sing? If it's based on him trying to sing, you know, it's almost in line though with him because I don't like I said I was like I guarantee he's not a good singer. Yeah, I, there's no yeah yeah I don't really know how to just score neutral? this one. Okay, it's kind of similar to the smirk. Those two kind of go hand in hand. The if there, yeah. If there's anything, he if anything throughout the court most of the movie. He, yeah, he's very frantic and doesn't know anything. He's not yeah. got sure. But I think there's a little bit of it in the opening, in the twelve-hour blow. Definitely in the, uh, in the oh, this is the engine block. I'm getting rid of it. Like yeah, yeah. So yeah. again, nothing. It's gonna be it's pretty st- low. Probably six or a seven. I'd, or no, not whoa, even. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh, three is what I yeah, always. Yeah, yeah. Th- let's go three. Let's go three. Okay, I'm gonna tally this up. So we got oh uh, one other point I want I wanted to note I saw on uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, the the scores so let me I'll tell you this there there was a big disparity between the critic score and the audience score oh there was now what do you think directionally do you think the are we the, playing the Rotten Tomatoes game well not the I, I just want to get your thoughts on this because it was there was a big disparity. Who do you? What group do you think would have a higher score, the critics or the audience? Well, normally it is the audience. So because you're asking me, I'm going to go ahead and say the critics. Correct. And I'm going to say it's fresh but barely fresh at like a 61. This is critics or audience? Critics, and then audience is like a 45. You're very close on audience. The audience had it at a 42. The critics had it at 75. Certified fresh, which to me... Speaks to the power of Spielberg. There's no way. Right. Because, okay, if if you hear there's a 30-point difference where the critics had a movie rated 30 percentage points higher than the audience, what type of movie do you typically associate that with? Maybe a kid's movie? I would think, to me, that says, like, art house, independent, dense, esoteric movie that, like, it's up for best picture and... You've, you don't know a single person who's seen the movie. Right. So in this, I think it's clear that it's like, it, it's, it, this movie isn't that we good. Can't but can't it, still. It's Spielberg, Spielberg. yeah. Uh, and another funny thing, when I went to Rotten Tomatoes, it had the, uh, it, you know, when you go to it, it has the little thumbnail picture of the, of the DVD box case, essentially right. what it would be. At the very top, somebody is quoted as Spielberg at his best. Oh, boy. You got Schindler's List. Right. You got Jurassic Park. You got E.T., you got Jaws, largely credited. Saving Private Ryan. Largely Jaws credited with creating the summer blockbuster. Spielberg, probably probably the most uh, unassailable figure in entertainment in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, 
As much as I like the movie, yeah, I, I do it. I did enjoy it right. thoroughly. I still have the wherewithal to go. Matt Spielberg at his best. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought that was that was pretty funny. So what did we end up with then for a final score? Oh yeah, uh, low on the charts. We have a twenty-one out of fifty here. So we have a kind of a uh, two to five ratio going on here. What was it? Twenty out of fifty. Twenty-one. Twenty-one out of fifty. Yeah. Huh. So a little higher than Collateral. Uh, you know, we should almost get. Even though we're constantly tweaking with this, I, I thought of a new category. Okay. It's just kind of the role. Is this a Tom Cruise role? Because this is, to me, a pretty high – this would be a high scoring in terms of, oh, he's the beleaguered dad who's trying to save save his kids, save the world. You think this is a Tom Cruise role? I think so. Really? Yeah. That one I might debate you with. All right. Well – Hey, yeah, maybe. Okay. If nothing else, what we've learned is let's not have that as a category. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have nothing. Nothing to, else you mean? To wrap yeah. this up with. Um, War of the Worlds. Yeah, I don't think it's very good. Eric liked it. It's just, it's Critics pretended it's, to like it. It's, it's my, this is my wheelhouse. Uh, it's entertaining from, from start to finish, virtually. It, it delivers on what you're, actually, I don't know that I would say it does. There's just because here, okay. Here's the fatal flaw to me of the okay. movie. I don't give a shit about anyone. A little bit Tom Cruise. I can understand when that. Robbie died, or I thought that he died. I didn't give a fuck. Didn't mean I was happy to be honest. He's, <laughs> all he's doing is right. constantly trying to trying to fuck follow shit. follow the army, right. and he really wants to see one of these things killed. Yeah, Dakota Fanning. I have to see it. Yeah, That's his line. You know, I felt more emotionally hurt by Ogilvy's death, death than when I thought Robbie was dead. The other thing, too, the ending was a little... Apparently, I read that this was a, a criticism of the movie, but it's actually true to the story that they make it to Boston, Robbie's alive, the parents are alive, or the... Uh, you, I don't know if you, you don't see the stepdad, do you? I think it's just the mom and the grandparents. I thought I thought you did see him. Maybe you do. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he lived. Everybody right. else of note lived. At one point, when they're doing the ferry crossing, he runs into somebody he knows. He's miles right. from home. He's like, "Oh, Cheryl," and she's introduced just so you're supposed to feel bad that she doesn't make it onto the ferry. But I don't give a shit. I don't right. know Cheryl. <laughs> right. Not a ton of like character development that makes you want them to live no there's really no the only character but i love that though that I, that to me for this genre I think, now for other genres i want to want the characters to succeed you know yeah but in this one i see i'm kind of the opposite i agree as a it's fine to not provide any sort of development to the characters but if you want us to care about them not dying then it is important <laughs> and they don't do any of that? I mean, in, in, in my head, it's like it's end of the world. It's a, it's apocalyptic. Like ah, everyone should go away. Right. You know, that's where my head is. Right. You know. I but I just didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. I just like even if Cruz would have died, you know, like sometimes like a there's a dark ending and yeah. it's kind of like oh you know what that's a good story but I kind of feel bummed. I wouldn't have cared if right. ever, you know. Let uh, me ask you this because I just and the only reason I ask is because I just recently watched it. Sure. Again for, um, like five times now. But I just recently rewatched Seven, right? Sure. Oh, great movie. Yeah. And, uh, like, do you feel bad for Brad Pitt at the end of that movie? Um, okay, a little bit. See, that's kind of the, uh, it, the, the answer I was expecting is, like, yeah. he's kind of a cockwad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Well, but I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm happy that he's not dead. I guess. Uh, <laughs> he, and do they? Do they say they don't say what happens to him? Do they? Because he killed John Doe. Well, do they the, say the, that the he, line? The line at the end like, of the movie. For temporary insanity or something. No. For who? Pitt. Because like I mean, no. Because he cause should at be the, at, at the end. He's, he's in the back of a, uh, oh, of a squad okay. car. But Arlie Ermey is saying to Morgan Freeman, like, or Morgan Freeman is saying to Arlie Ermey, um, which one is it? One of them says to one of the other one, sure. just give him whatever he needs. Okay, yeah. So he's going to be taken care of. Yeah. Because yeah. how can you fucking, like, penalize oh, him right, right, at that right. point? The guy sh- chopped his yeah, wife's, right. pregnant wife's head off. Right. You know? Yeah, that was a great ending. Kevin Spacey becomes Envy. He envied <laughs> the life <laughs> of, of the, the, But still one of the greatest lines ever in cinema. The... What's in the box? Oh yeah. Well, you know what line I like in uh, with Brad Pitt as they're driving to the field. Uh, I don't remember what instigates it from you know Kevin Smith's just doing the creepy guy in the backseat routine. Kevin Spacey or Kevin Spacey, Kevin Smith, <laughs> Ali Berry. Yeah. Well, Kevin Smith would be a interesting turn as John Doe. Um, but Brad Pitt says to Silent him, Bob. Silent Bob. Uh, Brad Pitt says to him. You're a, he's like, you're insane. You're a t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I, I, really, love, I love that line. I didn't even really get it, but I'm like, I'll go with it. I like it. It works. I do love the line. I Because to me, it says, like, you're a t-shirt. Like, what you're you a novelty is, kind of. Like, yeah, yeah, where it's like, you know, uh, where it's like, you know, don't worry, be happy. It's like, that's a yeah. throwaway. Like, that, right. was, that was a thing for, like, all of, like, a, a year, maybe. Right. And then everyone... Hates it right. after that, you know. You know, a good example of emotional investment. I just heard this recently. It was a uh, um, shit. Who's the guy who? Uh, oh, Adam McKay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Will Ferrell's partner yeah. frequently. He was talking about how his, I guess his first movie, his first feature movie, was Anchorman, and he was talking about how the studio was super excited about it. They did like kind of the pilot test screening or whatever. Crowd loved it. Big reaction, and they get like a some sort of rating scale where mm-hmm. I don't know if they ask like everybody to rate it or something, but it came out to like I think they uh, McKay in this podcast I heard he said something like it was either like sixty or seventy is kind of like if you get sixty or seventy you're okay anything above you know seventy five eighty you got a real good move and. It, it was like the crowd loved the movie. The reaction in the uh, audience was great, but the score came back and it was like forty or forty-five or something. Really? And he was like, "What for Anchorman?" And for Anchorman, and somebody yeah. told him, "You killed the dog, Baxter." Apparently, in the original cut of the movie, oh, really? they never had him come back. So they they added Baxter back in, and it's shot up to like seventy something. Oh, so it's pretty okay. interesting. Now that's something about you know, I mean, it's not that Baxter was a well developed character. Right. But people love dogs. Right, right, right. It right. Shows especially how, small innocent ones. How you see the yeah. film overall it really depends on how you feel about the characters, and I just didn't feel there was any of that. Um, so for next time, do we want to do Edge, or did you have anything else? I no, I have nothing else. Do we want to do Edge of Tomorrow? That's what you said. In okay. The, in the previous, I, I've right? heard from one Tom Freeze that. Uh, it is his second favorite Tom Cruise movie of all time. Edge of Tomorrow? After Vanilla Sky. Yeah. And I've heard other other people, everyone I know who's seen it, who's commented on it, has had good things Never to say. Never seen it, so this will this be, will be the first one that neither of us have seen, I think. Oh, perfect. Excellent. Um, yeah. And then one other point I want to make real quick. Uh, two friends of the pod, 
both Josh Brune and Ben Botnan uh, told us, you know, as an amusing anecdote, that Tom Cruise was born with some weird facial uh, deformity where he basically has a middle, he had a tooth that was dead set in the mid- middle of his, his, uh, his top, his top tooth was set in the middle of his face, where if you put a line down the middle of his face and apparently he had something done to correct it, but you can still kind of see it's not quite, uh, not quite centered. So for, so for those of you who envy, um, <coughs> Tom Cruise's good looks, that's right. He's, he's a genetic freak mm-hmm. and he's all of like five foot Three? Yeah, he's five foot three. He's a, got the middle tooth. He, yeah. He's basically an X-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Pods of Thunder. Pods of Thunder.